Hello and welcome to episode 1012 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is Friday, February 11th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this afternoon, well, morning for him, by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning to you. Happy afternoon to me. Yeah. Time changes are stupid. I know, I know. We're on that cusp there where where you're still in the morning and I'm in the central here in the afternoon, but... Um, Twitter was down, so I'm not going to ask how your morning was. I know it was terrible oh. for those 20 minutes that we had to deal. <laughs> I was going crazy because, like, right now is like, you know, obviously it's like the beginning of draft season for a lot yeah. of people. For me, a lot of fun prime, discussions out there, too. And on, for me, it's prime time uh, promoting time, right? I've got yep. TGFBI. Uh, I just sent out like a hundred some emails about TGFBI satellites. Um, you know, if you want to sign up for those, you can still sign up for those over on tgfbi.com. Uh, we're playing them on fan tracks this year. So for those of you who don't uh, play on it, can't play on NFBC or uh, or prefer fan tracks, got them over there this year. Uh, we've already raised $3,000 for charity between those two. So, like, I was like, I'm all excited to, like, tweet it all out and be like, yeah, let's do this. And nope. Twitter had different things in mind for you yeah no it's it's been it's been a frustrating morning but other than that i'm all right it was like going out sporadically for me too like where different parts were stopping to and by the way we we fully acknowledge it doesn't really matter we're we're like overplaying it, it does no it does no matter. i, I absolutely matter. no it's the no, most important thing going on no it's not and i i acknowledge that for anybody that wants to like take it too seriously but uh it's back and so we're good too because i was gonna die um <laughs> we're gonna talk about something that happened yesterday. No, not the whole meeting with Rob Manfred because we were already mad. You just heard us talk about Twitter. We're not trying to get that mad again. <laughs> so we're not going to talk about everything he said. We're talking about one key piece. Justin, took you a year, but you were right. I did it! <laughs> In fairness, everyone knew it was coming back this year. But as the longest holdout for I, last I, I, year, I, I, yeah, I was. First. I want, I want, yeah. I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you the little crown there, um, even though it, it came, it came a year later. But yeah, NLDH again. That one felt like the biggest slam dunk of everything. So that's is it locked, locked and loaded, or is it, was he just saying it was something that was being bandied I mean, about? It sound it sounds like it, it is locked and locked. It sounded locked, locked. Okay, I just want to yeah. make sure that I didn't uh, interpret it I mean, overly. Both side, both, I mean, this was kind of like you said; it's kind of a no-brainer. I think everybody saw this coming. Both exactly. sides want this. I like, don't even know, think this was a big um, bargaining chip because everyone's like, "Yes, this just makes sense. Let's just do this." Mm -hmm. This is not. Uh, yeah, yeah. It says right here: MOB and MOBPA in agreement on adding university age. So that's that is good. We got something good out of there now. Everything else that we got, I don't want to get into. But we are going to go through these NL teams, talk about guys who could benefit from this, right? And obviously, we're not we're not the only ones doing this, but um, we want to give our thoughts on it. So let's go team by team in the National League and see where we're at. Now, if you read my roster reviews, you're going to know a lot of how I feel about things. I would have hoped that when I wrote, for example, um, say, a Atlanta's roster review on November 22nd, I would have hoped that doing a podcast on February 11th I would have some clarity on where Freddie Freeman is because when I wrote theirs, I was like, well, even if we assume Freddie Freeman's resigned, you know, he'll play some DH there or whatever. And obviously we don't know anything about that, but let's get into Atlanta. Um, even though they are a bit up in the air because of Freeman, first off, do you believe he resigns there? I do. What percentage uh, are you on that as far as confidence? 60. 
Okay, so you know, over half, better than a coin flip, but still a little trepidation there. You know, I don't think I use trepidation properly there. Still no, 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 uncertainty. You use trepidation, I think. Okay, okay, you're, oh. you're still tiptoeing around it a little bit, and I understand that. By the way, I'm not dissing you because yeah. I'm the same. I, I could, I think they could have the rug pulled out from under them, man. I if, really do. If this was prior to the lockout, I would have said there's like a 90, 95 percent chance that Freddie Freeman ends up back in Atlanta. The fact I thought he that would they, get done too before the lockout. Yeah, the fact that they didn't get it done quickly um, tells me that there is trepidation on <laughs> one of the sides. Um, whether it's on his side that he wants to be paid like he's on the open market, or whether it's them not wanting to do such a long contract. Because I mean, we've seen yeah. the effects of some of these long contracts on teams like the Tigers, on teams like the mm -hmm. Angels. Even though, I mean, the Angels, uh, Angels Pujols one, you can definitely like kind of like, ooh, that one's kind of gross. But like the Tigers got their money's worth on Cabrera. So like yeah. as much as people crap on it now, it's revisionist history. I don't, don't, don't pretend he wasn't one of the single greatest players yeah. in my favorite team's franchise. Like, yeah, they didn't need to sign that extension early. They did it with him and Verlander. The Verlander one worked out, you know. Yeah, even if they had kept him, obviously he 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 stayed great. Uh, but the Miggy one definitely didn't, and it was just so unnecessary. And I respect, you know, Illich standing up. We we crap on owners so hard, and then someone goes out and kind of makes a very pro player move by signing those two extensions, and then he gets crushed for that. Yeah. So it's like it's a no win sitch. But I, uh, you know. I knew at the time that like that there's gonna be really difficult for this to end well, just because it's so hard for guys to be good into their late thirties. And the crazy thing is for as bad as Miggy has definitely been, you look and since, uh, since 2017, basically a five year run of being a league average player, he's still league average player, but it's so far from what Miggy is. I'm not trying to justify and say like, that's totally fine, but it's not like he's dragging a Chris Davis weight around, yeah. right? Like he's still, having moments, doing different things. He spiked back up to uh, uh, 128 OPS. Well, that was only in 38 games in 2018. But yeah, he's mostly lived around a 100 or 99 with Mickey. He's but anyway, playable. Like yeah, he's still playable. He's still playable. And I think Freeman will be like that. I think he'll age like that. I Obviously, you never know with injuries. But if he gets like a seven-year deal, he's going to be age 32 this year. I think the latter part of that will be more in the Miggy realm of like, he's still, he's still an average bat, but it's not Freddie Freeman. So it feels like it's a colossal fall off. So I think if they re-sign him, he's going to, I think right now they are a rotating type of team um, with Ozuna carrying the bulk of that. Uh, Marcelo Ozuna looks like he's going to be back. He's not been charged with anything. And I think he's going back to, to the Braves. So do you think he takes the full-time DH or do you think they, they have, you know, a couple of rotation spots every every uh, two times a week, say, where everybody gets a day off. Always gets off his feet. Swanson gets off his feet. Freeman. How do you see it? Do you see it as full Ozuna? Or does he play some outfield that he can open it up for some people here and there, too? I think it's pretty full. I think, I mean, he is so bad defensively. I, yeah. And, and now he's, he's pretty had... good at climbing on the wall, though, and like standing there and waiting for the ball to. <laughs> land in front of him yeah so especially when you've got two young guys in waters and pache who are much are they gonna be pache. ready though to hit i don't know i don't know if that waters will be I, I mean i don't think either will be necessarily ready to hit 
but Pache plays a good enough defense where I think that will keep him in the lineup fairly regularly. I do okay. think, I mean, you look at this lineup and from top to bottom, there are like no straight left-handed bats. Correct. Um, There's two switch hitters and that's it. And one, and of one, of, and one of them's water. One of them's So you have to wonder if they go out and get someone maybe like a Schwarber or I, don't I knew you were going to say Schwarber. Yeah. A lefty of some sort to kind of break this up in that. Freddie Freeman of, could fit there. Yeah. Freddie Freeman would. <laughs> but even with Freddie Freeman, I think they'd want another one. I agree. I agree. Getting more than one would not mm-hmm. be a bad idea, especially with waters penciled in right now. I think you go Freeman and Schwarber, you get uh, Orlando RC out of first, which is who mm-hmm. we currently have penciled in. And then you get uh, Schwarber there and left. And then Ozuna is is the DH there. And Schwarber's not horrendous defensively. So they don't have anybody that really benefits, though, um, in, unless you had some concerns about Ozuna's playing time, maybe related to health, if he had to play the outfield. If, That's yeah, the if, only thing I could think. If there is a beneficiary, if this is the team, assuming we think that Freeman is back, um, but if this is a the team they go forward with, which I don't expect them to, uh, I would say Waters is the big beneficiary because he has the potential to be up fairly early and get playing time. He's really struggled in the high minors. uh, So I I definitely think he's um, a candidate to go back to the minor leagues for for a while, like for, you know, midsummer um, to kind of work out things uh, in the minor leagues. His numbers look like they're from the movie Midsummer. Mm -hmm. Um, which is not good. Uh, the movie is sorry, but it, it's. It, I have it, no it, idea what movie you're. Sorry, sorry. sorry. Yeah. Some people will, and it's for okay. them, not you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I wasn't saying the movie is bad. I'm saying the things that happen in it are bad. It's a torture. It's a bad analogy. I'm moving on. We're moving on. We're sticking and moving. <laughs> We're going over to the Mets. Mets time, baby. All right, the New York Mets. Now they are a team that probably did backflips when they got this news yesterday that it was locked and loaded on the DH or. As we suspect, they knew all along, and that's why the the makeup of this team is as uh, as it is. Uh, awkward phrasing there, but um, you know the obvious one, the one that we have penciled in, is Robinson Cano. Uh, to be honest, he kind of slipped my radar when I wrote up their roster review. I forgot, mm-hmm. you know, that he gets to come back. Now you talk about somebody who actually is aging quite well. Now he has had help for that. We know that very clearly. Because he just got popped for PEDs again. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not testing right now. You're- I know. I, oh, dude, there's going to be so many dudes doing it. Like, there's because by the time they start back up and get another joint drug agreement, there'll be enough time to kind of cycle off. Yeah, it's some dudes are definitely going to be going crazy next year. Well, if, on- if, they get, if they get the CBA worked out this weekend, like, is, you know, or next week, like, there's talk that there's a possibility they will not have enough time to cycle off. And you could see a bunch of people getting popped very early in the that'd season. That'd be crazy. If it goes the other way, that'd be crazy. Because we, what we do know is that there's an appeals process, and we don't get to find yep. out who has tested positive until the appeal is final and the suspension starts. Yeah, that's and why so, like the, the Loriano suspension... Mm-hmm. The Marte deal we thought was to bolster the team. It was actually to replace Loriano because they knew way they knew way in advance. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm so sorry. if you if you start seeing a team after the CBA is lifted that has uh, bring someone in as like 
at an uh, obviously filled position. Yeah, at an obviously filled position, you may want to think twice about drafting the person they could be filling yeah, in. Yeah, if it's so, an automatic head scratcher, like they have this guy in. Oh right yeah, it, do, and it they, doesn't make sense that they're bringing in Nelson. Why they Cruz? get Conforto? They yeah. have a right. They have a left-handed mm-hmm. right fielder, and they just got Conforto. Boom, pop. Like it, it could happen like that. That's a good call out to pay attention to that. So we look up and down. There's DHs galore. Um, you talk about Robinson Cano coming back, J.D. Davis, Dom Smith, Pete Alonzo can get in there. Um, I've heard some grumblings of Pete Alonzo's defense getting better at first from like Mets watchers who see it kind of day in, day out. I do think judging first base defense is kind of uh, best done. I don't want to say best done anecdotally, but best done by people who are watching all the time. Obviously, people like with the team that are analyzing it, sure, not necessarily just casual fans are like, he didn't pick that one. He sucks shit. But I think... It's hard. I, the metrics don't really do a lot for me defensively at first base, but kind of seeing it and understanding how good they are at, at saving throws and, and things like that. But anyway, I think Alonso is going to play a lot of first. I think it really comes down to Cano, J.D. Davis, and Dom Smith. We have Cano penciled in with a platoon for J.D. Davis. How does that suit you? And is Dom Smith out in the cold here even with a DH because Canha and Eduardo Escobar came in? I don't think he's out in the cold. I do think the Mets make a deal for a starting pitcher. And um, they could use one of J.D. Davis they, or Smith? Yeah, they could kind of free up. I also think there is a... Or McNeil. Yeah, or McNeil, yeah. I think there's a distinct possibility that Cano's not on this team. Um, you know, I know he's getting paid, but the Mets don't care about me anymore. Like, they've got the richest owner in baseball. So yeah. like why 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 do they care? So I think there's a there's a possibility that Cano's not actually on this team come uh comes you know opening day uh which would alleviate a lot of problems for you know a guy like JD Davis and Dom Smith. I think Smith is interesting from a volume standpoint if he can get it. Uh I think JD Davis has real upside uh, and power in that bat, which would make me a little bit more interested to draft him. I don't know where they're going in terms of their ADPs. I don't know if you have that. Handy. I, I, I can pull it up, but I, I, I got to say, man, I, I missed hard on Dom Smith last year. And I don't, I, I don't know what the heck happened. He fell apart. Like he was not the same player that, that we'd seen really at any point. Dom Smith's going 409. Oh, they're going in order as far as Mets. 409 for Dom Smith, 463 for J.D. Davis, and 518 for Robinson Cano. Like, that's that's a nice price for Cano. I kind of like that gamble. That, it's, it's a nice price for all three of them, honestly. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's true. I would take any of those three. You know, you're looking at Dom Smith last year, and, you know, fi- the 50-game sample that he had in 2020 – we weren't just extrapolating that, but he built on a 2018 or 2019 sample of 89 games. So then you started to have something a little bit more robust uh, at 396 plate appearances with 21 homers, 299, 366, 571 was the slash line. It felt like this one-time big prospect was finally coming into his own, and it just cratered. The plate skills were virtually the same. The power disappeared justin 244 304 363 his iso went from 271 in 2019 2020 combined to 119 last year what the hell happened to dom smith's power and can he get it back um i mean i you know you gotta wonder like the live ball in 2019 like how much that had you know play there he was never projected to be a big power guy no Um, he was he, he didn't have the like 
crazy first base power, but he's supposed to have power though. And I'm looking at it right now. I see a home run to fly ball rate that dipped from 22% in both 19 and 20 to 9% last year. Is it as simple as that being the culprit? Mm. I will say also part, part of that might be his pull center oppo rates, uh, mainly the pull and center. He pulled at a 43% clip in 2019-20 combined and down to 37 last year. So the pull percentage turning more into hits into the center of the field, which is going to be deeper, and his fly ball is not leaving the yard, I think those two things work hand-in-hand and boom, power outage. Yeah, so I don't think it's just – sorry, I don't think it's just the homer to fly ball. I think it's the way he was hitting with the fly, homer to fly ball rate or that facilitated the homer to fly ball rate drop is what I want to say. Yeah. I, I'm not seeing a ton here. To, That's the best know. I got. That's the best and, I got for it. Yeah. I, I would think, I mean, the, the barrel percentage definitely went back down to where it was in like 2019. And so you got to wonder, like, I, I think it's, well, I think it's what was it in 20 in 20, it was 13%. Okay. What was it in 19? It was six and a half. And or six, last, six, last year, six. last year it was like that again. And it was six and a half again. So you gotta gotta wonder if it's like a combination of the live ball in 2019, where a six and a half percent barrel rate might lead to a lot more home runs. Didn't we have a live ball last year though? Not the same one, but I mean we had one that was live. It was the, different. They, they changed it mid season, but by mid season he wasn't playing anymore. Yeah, that's true too. That's true. So, like, I mean, you know, that – Not as made, much, at least. Well, he still wound up with five, 493 plate appearances. They yeah, but how, how many of that was in the second half? Um, That's a fair question. I, I can I can get you that number. But, I mean, to get that many, he had, yeah, 100, yeah, he had 177 plate appearances in the second half. So, yeah, it fell off from 316 to 177. He did – his playing time did come down. Because they were in a playoff race and they needed guys who were going to compete for them. Um, Yeah, I mean – I just I don't find him that interesting. The only thing that's really nice about him is in some formats he will be still first base eligible. So if you're playing in oh, a Dom league, Smith lost his first base eligibility. Yeah, so he only played 15 games at first base. So nice. if you're in Yahoo or a league where 15 is the limit, you know, yep. like Tout Tal- Wars for us, mm-hmm. he'll be first base eligible. But if you're playing in an in a normal uh you know league where it's 20 games to kind of sol on that one yeah he's first base only uh you know he could get it back i mean outfield only excuse me excuse yeah, me yeah he, he could get it back in season i just sure there's so many interesting options that go late i just don't know that like i'll ask you right now like would you rather have dom smith or would you rather have bradley zimmer i gotta take zimmer with that speed yeah you know that you, you got you got to do that what about um between him and J.D. Davis, you, you prefer Davis then? I think I prefer Between Davis. Smith I, I just feel like the upside on Davis, because, I mean, we know he's always been kind of a stat-cast hero guy. Yeah, um, he, and he's, he, he tattoos the ball pretty mm-hmm. consistently. And I believe he's still multi-position eligible. But I could he wrong, should right? have third outfield. I have the – nope, just third only. He didn't. They didn't move around as much last year. McNeil kept two positions. Oh, wow. Yeah. But VR has two. And that's really it. They didn't. They don't have guys that moved around quite as much last year. They had a little bit more stability. I think it's easier to kind of go, okay, Davis struggled last year because of the torn ligament in his wrist. 
yeah. now that that's fixed. That you know, and it wasn't like a bone issue, so we're not worried about power necessarily being sapped when he comes back. Um, yeah, I think I'd rather have Davis. Okay, I think that's fair. Um, Plus, third base depth after a while is just like nothing. So, like, I, I, I think they're both best as DC picks right now for sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you're drafting either of them in a like regular thirty round league. Even yeah. a fifteen teamer, unless like once we do get spring training, like one looks amazing, then you yeah. might go okay. If their situation changes, mm-hmm. whether it's like that, like you said, or one of them gets moved, JD Davis, Robinson Cano, or Dom Smith, and into a full time role, and then we say, okay, we can take them in the and it would still be around like 28, 29, 30 type. I still think mm-hmm. they would be very much like one of your last picks there, but they could pay big. I think one of these three is going to pop. I don't know which one, though, right? It's easy to say that. So I'm not even trying to make that like some big call that I'm going to like go crazy about next year if I if I do get it right, if I don't pick the right one. If I had to pick one to, to explode, though, I think it would be J.D. Davis. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the other the other potential guy who could get some extra value is Jeff McNeil. We kind of briefly mentioned him. Yeah. But, you know, getting he has no power though. He was such a 19. But he's free because he sucks, but he's multi-positional eligible and he's going to hit for average. Like I, I, I was know. the biggest Jeff. McNeil he's not even that leader. free though. He's, he's three twenty one. Those other guys, oh, those okay. other guys are free. He, he's gone up then. Because he was yeah. not 321 earlier this No, time. he's a 299 career hitter. And you know how I feel about batting average later in the drafts. I always talk about how you know you can't usually find it. Um, so you know, I'm being hyperbolic when I say he sucks, but there is no pop. It is like an, a Luis Arise late, uh, an, another Luis Arise type. And uh, that can have some value though. And if in the right fit, you can definitely get there. Another guy, a name to just to keep an eye on, just to just to know is Mark Vientos, a, a minor mm-hmm. leaguer uh, who was in AAA. Dude has big time pop. Uh, I'm a big fan. I know we just talked about how cluttered they are, and so it's like, well, where, where the heck's he going to play? We say we can say that about guys all the time. You you don't know, okay? I, I called him like a younger JD Davis, which hey. Maybe they move Davis because they have Vientos, and then he comes on, and he's and and Vientos is Cano's platoon partner. But then he starts playing they well, are. and McNeil starts playing bad, and then boom, Vientos is in the full time roster. Early, they also you know. have Brett Batty, who we saw. yes, oh, we saw him in Fall League, and he looks good. Um, I love Beatty. I think it's Beatty, uh, Beatty or Batty. I think it's it looks like Batty because it's B A T Y. Speaking of which, someone commented that the, one of the reasons they love to listen to podcasts is because how how poorly I pronounce names. Uh, well, you take, taking that, that torch from Eno. Yeah, that, that, that you were gonna say. Yeah, taking the torch from Eno. Um, I I do not feel like you are calling me out or anything like that or, or dragging me by telling me I'm mispronouncing it. Same. Absolutely. Same. I, I want to always be right. Yeah. Absolutely. DM me. Hit me up on Twitter. Where you know, in the comment section of the post. Like you know, uh, I, I want to be corrected. I want to Same. get names right. Um, I, you know, last year I got a, uh, a pronunciation guide, which was awesome. I'm hoping to get another one this year. I think Steve Gardner's, uh, I, I just saw a tweet about that this morning. I believe Steve Gardner gets a hold of one and then kind of puts it out to the fantasy community. So nice. we'll get that and we'll make yeah, sure that we're I, on I, that. I got mine from, uh, Chris, uh, baseball pods. Um, Perfect. And, yeah. I it's super, super helpful. I am awful with names just in, I'm with general, you, though. I, I, in real life. I'm bad with names. And so, you know, and then you throw names I've never 
I have no idea from how different to from different yeah. cultures that mm-hmm. we don't know yet. So I'm I'm never gonna be like, don't correct me. Absolutely, like I, I pride myself on on trying to be right on them and and trying to pronounce uh, the ones properly. So if I'm missing stuff too, definitely hit my line and let mm-hmm. me know. I remember there was an. Uh, <laughs> now I'm gonna be self conscious about it, but Encarnacion. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I forget how I was saying it, and maybe I am saying it wrong right now. But there was I got a correction on that. And so I was mindful of that one. But yeah, we're definitely down yeah. to make sure that we're pronouncing it correctly. Like Christian Yalik. It's obviously Yalik, right? <laughs> it is Yalik. <laughs> um, my favorite one of his. Yeah, that's, that's the best. Um, I once on the ITL podcast called Michael Kadir. Kadir. I also on the don't do that when I'm drinking on a different ITL podcast, the football one when I was when I was still covering football. Um I said uh, instead of Jameis Winston, I said Jemias Winston when he was a rookie. <laughs> Those are excellent, dude. Cuttier is mm-hmm. funny because me and my friends used to call him that as like a meme, you know, just just mm-hmm. goofing around pronouncing think names differently. I'm sure a lot of people do that, but that's so funny that you know, yeah, Michael Cuttier, man, I love that guy. He's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. Michael Cuddler, he likes to cuddle. <laughs> All right, we're moving on. So the Mets, we think it's going to be rotating. Uh, someone could emerge and kind of take it over, but it's really hard to tell right now because they have a cluster. They're definitely another team that uh, if we were further along in the offseason, we'd probably have more clarity, but we're not, so we don't. Let's go to Philly. Now, for them, um, this feels tailor-made for Hoskins, and I think Harper and Rio Muto would get the occasional chance there. Rio Muto, on a lot of his days off from behind the dish, I think would, would get a chance to fill in, and then Hoskins can play first. Um, they don't have a first baseman right now, so that doesn't necessarily have to be Hoskins all the time, but I think they would like to now that it's situated uh, to have the DH. I think they'd prefer to have Hoskins there a decent bit. So that's that's the guy that I would think right now. We have Matt Veerling penciled in right now, um, a, a a prospect for Philly who did make his debut last year for the seventy seven plate appearances after uh, you know decent fifty five games. Oh, never mind, never mind. Not a very good fifty five games in AAA. He was better in Double A, but he's twenty four. So I don't put much stock into uh, his his double A work last year for Veerling. So I, I don't see a whole lot from him. I really think they're better off getting somebody either for the DH spot, maybe bring back Kutch if you don't want him in the field as much, um, or put Hoskins there and go get a first baseman type. What do you think about Philadelphia's situation? I think the big winner is Real Muto uh, because I think, yeah those supplemental plate appearances. Yeah, I think I think he's going to be back over six hundred plate appearances. Uh, I think that Veerling's, I don't know that Veerling's super interesting. Scott Kingery, maybe, you know, they can play Alec Baum at first and move Hoskins to DH and play Kingery at third if he can show I, anything. I have a hard um, time quitting him. I see him late in drafts and I'm mm-hmm. like, that power speed, even though he has done nothing in the yeah. big leagues. I think if Kinger is not going to make the opening day roster, maybe like Nick Maton yep. is a guy who could uh, grab some extra plate appearances. I could see that. I could also see this being a team who brings in another bat. You know, yeah. Whether yeah. whether it's Cutchback or whether it's, um, you know, there's been talk that maybe they could be a fit for Story or Correa uh, mm-hmm. if they've just decided that DD's done. DD's uh, not it. Or if they want to play him like utility yeah he could be like the super utility guy i i don't know that that's their biggest need necessarily so i, I don't know that that's yeah. what they're gonna end up doing but um yeah i definitely think that there's at least one more piece probably going to be added to this roster 
So I think that whoever whoever that is, whether like you said, McCutcheon makes a lot of sense. He's yeah. been playing there. Um, he's, whoever that he's, is, will jiggle everything there. else around mm-hmm. to kind of solidify the DH. Sorry, I thought you were done there. You said uh, no, no, he's the DH. He's a clubhouse favorite. And you're absolutely right. Yeah. and they do have a team with like uh, they're trying to build a winning culture, mm-hmm. and a guy like that can continue to be interesting. And he decimated lefties. So if Kutch would come back and focus on mostly playing against lefties and the occasional start against righties, and he's fine with that then that could definitely, definitely work. Yeah. All right, so that's Philly. Uh, they seem pretty pretty easy there, but they, they're they going to get somebody else. Let's go out to Washington and uh, talk about them. You know, team that's kind of uh, – they're, they're in between rebuild and retool. Retool is usually when you don't tear it all the way down. You try to keep the core pieces and, and keep building, and rebuild, of course, it is tearing it down. They're not doing that. They, they can't right now. They have the, the pitchers uh, that, that are still held over in Strasburg and Corbin that they're paying a ton to. Uh, they have Soto right now. So they don't have time to do that. So they got Soto and Bell and Kybert Ruiz, and they're hoping Victor Robles, and I like Lane Thomas. You know, they're, they're building a little bit of a core, but they need some other things to kind of get going. Are they going to give their DH spot to a 34-year-old Yadiel Hernandez? Because he's the obvious fit for on the team right now. So unless you think they're going to go out of the org, he looks to be the guy for me. I think he is the guy. Um, and I think he's super intriguing. I think uh, so too, with, with full-time burn? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe. Or, or you know, uh, uh, a, 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 a consistent role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A consistent role is what I mean to say. Not necessarily every single day. 400-plus plate appearances. Yeah. I think he can, you know, be a potential 15-5 guy with a decent average i think there's an average upside yeah yeah so like i think he's i think he's a really interesting guy i mean this is he you know told around the minors for a really long time uh got an opportunity Played in cuba too yeah mm-hmm. hernandez did yeah got i mean got opportunity last year because of you know injuries and then trades uh so yeah i think he's really interesting i don't want to bury luis garcia though me uh, neither i actually think that he can can get the starting job um on, on a field though. Like I, I know he's not going to beat out Cesar Hernandez. They brought him in, yeah. but I wonder if he could, like, are we doing this LCDs Escobar thing again? I think they are doing this LCDs Escobar thing again. <sighs> well, that, um, that, that, then, then you do start to look at, at Garcia, maybe getting some of the DH reps then. Yeah. I, you know, Garcia is not a great, uh, fielder. He's actually quite just, bad. Yep. At, at, at short. So, um, I, you know, the fact that they brought in, Cesar Hernandez was really shocking to me because I thought, oh, he makes he makes a lot more sense at second base. Yeah. Um, so you do kind of wonder if maybe they're going to give him an opportunity to uh, to DH a little bit, um, you know, be kind of a super utility guy, uh, you know, or maybe Carter Keyboom ends up uh, hitting the bench. I don't know. Or, or Keyboom DHs and Garcia maybe gets mm-hmm. him a third. I don't know. Like that, they, they could be interchangeable there. Keyboom. Started to show some things a little bit toward the end of the year. Didn't he have some My flashes? Boy. Yeah, My I know boy. that's that's your guy. You always yeah. you always sticking with Key Boom. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's still only going to be twenty four. I, I I think there's reason to kind of stick stick with him if you've liked him. You know, Yadier Hernandez definitely a uh, uh, draft and hold draft champions type mm-hmm. of pick. I think Key Boom has some some thirty round fifteen team entry yeah. as like a 28th, 29th pick. Uh, because he is still just 24 with only 414 plate appearances spread out over three seasons. Mm-hmm. And we don't really know who he is yet. So if you've liked him in the past, especially, I think you should 
should stick with him because if he doesn't get that full-time job at third base, I think Keyboom could get some of the DH burn as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. That and uh, one more in the AL or in the NL East, excuse me. It's all NL. So just in the East is Miami. Now they have an obvious one. If they bring back uh, Jesus Aguilar, but we don't know if they're going to. And I want to advocate for my guy, Lewin Diaz, who I remain a, Yes, Aguilar is not a free agent. Why did I have? I saw somebody say that. Some, somebody said that earlier today on Twitter. I saw that. That's where I got that from. Yeah, and he's oh yeah, no, he's available. Agent. Okay, yeah, he, he's 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 under contract for one more season. Oh, then it's Aguilar. So, yeah, it's Aguilar. He, it's he's, Aguilar. He's the dude. Um, you know, I think this opens up a lot of opportunities for a lot of guys on this team. Yeah, um, go go ahead and give us some of the names that you're most yeah. intrigued by getting the opportunities. You know, when they made the Wendell trade, I was really worried about Wendell because I didn't know if there were going to be a DH. But I think the fact that they can now move Brian Anderson to DH and play mm -hmm. Wendell at third, you know, pretty Or Anderson can play first and now you are DH. Like, th those two could be interchangeable and Wendell can yeah. play third a lot. Uh, I mean – you're going to see sleeper articles on Garrett Cooper. I don't know that I care anymore. I think at some point he's going to have to prove it. He's 31. It's, thir it's uh, 31. I, yeah. The DH is nice because if they want, they can put him there and kind of protect him from having to play the field. Cause that, you know, he gets hurt out there. So uh, I just don't know that it, it matters, you know, especially right now, it looks like he's probably in a short side platoon. He might just be a lefty killer Garrett Cooper. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great for DFS. Yeah, but I'm not absolutely. not super interested in in most in most formats. Uh, one more spot for John Birdie to find plate appearances. It is and, and get those twenty stolen bases that everybody knows are coming, but nobody seems to draft. Um, he can, he can be that guy, and you know the, the number one guy for me in this role was always Rajay Davis, who did it. Now we have not seen Birdie do what Rajay Davis is the you know platinum standard of being a guy who doesn't come anywhere near a full-time role yet has extreme fantasy value because of his stolen bases. We have not seen that really from Bernie. He can do that. He had the 17 in 2019, uh, nine in 2020 in 39 games, and then eight last year in 85 games. Uh, his hitting fell off a little bit last year. I, I think, I think I had him in the forecaster and felt like a lot of the stuff that happened to him, uh, lingered on the bad luck. Like I didn't just say, two, "Oh, look at the two six, two six five Babbitt." Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, and pretty and unlucky. so that's that's kind of where I was leaning. Yeah, I wrote about him. You know, he had the concussion. Uh, I really he also think it, put the ball in extreme amount on the ground. Um, yeah, which should help your Babbitt though. Yeah, it was fifty eight percent ground ball percentage. Which I mean, he's a high ground ball tilt guy, anyways. But, but that was still a jump. That was that was really really extreme. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I mean, he was pretty much like a 53% guy for his career, and that raised the 58 raised his career ground ball percentage to 2%. I mean, it was pretty stark. Um, you know, he ended his season because of a concussion, so mm -hmm. we'll have to wait and see if he's okay from that because those, can, scary. those, you know, those are scary and can linger. So, uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't think he's the first option necessarily, but. The thing about this Marlins team, and they're, again, another team that could bring in talent. Um, so, I mean, a lot of this could change if they decide that they want to get one of the big remaining free agents uh, out there. Mm -hmm. But it's a team that deals with a lot of injuries and has kind of some older pieces or, or pieces that 
you know, tend to disappoint. So, like, I could see Birdie, like, he's definitely not going to start with a role, a full-time role. But but he can play everywhere. He can play everywhere, and if he's healthy, he's going to run. So, yeah, I think he's he's a really interesting kind of beneficiary that I don't think people are going to look at. I love Birdie for NL only, especially like you mm-hmm. know, it's a super deep format. I get that it's a niche thing, but we're talking about a niche type player. And so, despite the uh, the Jesus Aguilar thing being wrong again, I I saw the same thing you did this morning. Like I thought he was signed, but I didn't question it, and I should have. Uh, so I got that one wrong. But I will still advocate for Lewin Diaz, who I do really like. I, I was literally just about to say, like, let's not sleep on. Yeah, I, I don't. Diaz. I don't want to overshadow that, even though Aguilar is there. Uh, because Lewin Diaz, 25-year-old first-base prospect, and I know that's a little oxymoronic at times because guys usually have to move down the defensive spectrum for first base, but he's a legit prospect, and I think there's some uh, there's some nice pop here. And, you know, if they want, like obviously fielding is never a giant thing at first base, but Diaz can play some nice first base. He has a good fielding grade in, in his scouting, uh, 60 fielding with 70 upside. Like they think he, he can get even better. He's got some athleticism over there. He's got some raw power that if he can start to bring to game, I think Lewin Diaz can be a low twenties Homer guy with enough playing time. He needs to find the PT, but again, most of the drafts that are going on right now are draft and hold 50 rounders. And that's this kind of guy that I will take, um, you know, in that, 40 something round because he could find a role and really pop off. So I like Lewin Diaz. Well, and he's not young. Like, so no, he's like ready. Like he, there's, yeah, there's no he, reason to keep him down. He's going to be 26 early in the season. So at this point, the Marlins need to figure out if he's part of the future team or not. So I do think of all the guys we've talked about, he's probably the guy. No, no he just turned 25. This is his age 25 season. Oh, you know, I was looking at Ice and Diaz for a oh, second there. Another one, though, too. Um, another guy who could benefit from Yeah, the, who, who yeah. like, but it's time, right? Time's ticking. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you on, on Isan Diaz, who I, I've also had some some affinity for. But, like, hey, time's ticking, buddy. Like, you got to do something. Contact. You got, yeah, he's got to figure something out. Diaz, that is something that he does. And that's one of the interesting things about him is for a power hitter, he makes some pretty decent contact, particularly in the minors. He's been more of a 25, 26% strikeout guy at the majors. So he needs to bring some of that minor league swing and, I, swing and miss to the and you, uh, majors. Like, you look at – just look at the projection systems for Lewin Diaz, and they all have him for somewhere between 14 and 16 home runs in a half season. Bingo. So if he was to be able to be given that full-time opportunity now that there is a DH, put Aguilar at DH, let Diaz play full-time, give him an opportunity, we're talking about a guy with 30 home run potential. Completely agree there. Um, and I, I think we could we could see that, right? There Things need to happen, and, and you start to make these, these, these leaps, right? We're not saying that's what happens. We're trying to look at the outlook of how things can go right for somebody like a Lou Indias. Mm-hmm. So that's the East. Let's go into the central and start with the cards. Uh, I think they are another team that had to be doing backflips here that this is happening because they've got some really intriguing guys who can do this. Uh, my favorite is Juan Yepes, a guy we saw in, in the minors or excuse me at the fall league. He's not the obvious guy right now. In fact, they have Paul DeYoung my boy. in there. With Edmundo Sosa staying at, at shortstop, even though DeYoung's improved, I think Sosa does still check out better defensively. Um, and that's why they would put DeYoung there. DeYoung had a disastrous season. Let's talk about it for a moment because he is your guy. Remember, you had, what was it, two years ago where it was the whole big Paul DeYoung thing? Yep. Um, and Which I he, won, by the way. I won that. Who, who was it? Who was it against? It was Correa. 
That's right. That's right. And Correa, well, was it 19, 18 or 19? I if it was 19, I mean, Paul DeYoung went 30 and 9, even with the 233 average. Even with the average, I think you would win there yeah. at 233 because Correa probably didn't play enough games. In 2019, Correa played 75 games. So, yeah, you, you definitely won that. Yeah. But good thing you didn't prop him up this year because that would have really blown up on you. He had 19 homers, four steals, 197 average in 402 plate appearances. What the heck happened to Paul DeYoung, and can he rebound at age 28 this year? I mean, I definitely think he can rebound. Um, Will he rebound? What, what What is your likelihood? Are you drafting him? Are you in on him again? I have not drafted him anywhere yet. Uh, I'm so not opposed. Yes, I do. I, I'm guys. not opposed to drafting. The problem is shortstop is so deep. And, really like, like I, I've heard a little bit of pushback that it's just deep at the top um, and really thins out. And it does. I mean, there's some big drop-offs in talent. But there's some guys. Wait, like wait, really... wait, wait, wait. I... What position does it? A D exactly. position doesn't mean that everyone's a superstar. But they also like legitimately. I think shortstop has like ten superstar fantasy players at mm -hmm. least, with another five or six right there. Like, would it surprise you if Jazz was a superstar fantasy player this year? No, Willie Adamas. I didn't even include Corey Seager. Um, you know, Wander Franco is, is in there, but Carlos Correa, Claver Torres, Dansby Swanson. So, I mean, no, I disagree with that pushback. It's the deepest position. You don't have to be contrarian just to be contrarian. It, it's so unbelievably deep. It, it's not. There's I, like I, 40 guys that I'd be undeniable. cool. Yeah, I'd be cool with like, like rostering and like mm -hmm. 30 plus of those guys. I would be totally fine if he was a regular in my starting lineup. So, like, it's, yeah, it is like super, super deep. Um, and so the back, problem back is to DeYoung. back to DeYoung, where we and, and so because of that, by the time I get to DeYoung in the draft, I've already rostered two, sometimes even three shortstops. He doesn't play anywhere else, so you can yeah, and it's um, shift it. I'm going to make a point of getting him in a league, just to make uh, sure. Yeah, just to make sure I, I have him. But like, yeah, it's it's, it's a really difficult thing to roster. Uh, what, do you, what do you think went wrong last year? Then that. That that had him fall. Is this is this actually just range of outcomes? Because if you look, you know that first year when he when Paul DeYoung came up and hit a one twenty three WRC plus, we all knew it was over his skis. Mm -hmm. um, he had gotten some like amazing bad ball luck on his like nine on his barrels, basically his ninety five plus stuff. So he came back down to earth in eighteen with a one hundred three and a one hundred one in twenty nineteen. So that's you know it's perfectly solid league average guy. Now since the start of twenty, he has. Uh, 576 plate appearances of being an 86 WRC plus. It was 87 in 2020, 86 last year. So is this a range of outcomes thing based on his swing and miss and lack of walks? Or was there something out there that's fixable for Paul DeYoung to get him back threatening 30 homers again? I think this is a range of outcomes thing. I, okay. I don't see a whole lot in the profile that's changed. I mean, he even made more zone contact. His barrel percentage was up. Uh, I think he just... I think there was a little bit of unluckiness in balls and play. And I think that this is kind of a player like him. You're going to have kind of fluctuations in batting average. Yeah. He had a 216 um, Babbitt. Let's give him, let's mm -hmm. give him some credit there. He's a big time fly ball guy, um, which can hurt your Babbitt because, you know, you can have homers double. First off, homers don't help you on Babbitt. And then uh, easy outs, you know, a lot more easy outs with fly balls. 
as opposed to ground balls, which can kind of skitter through the infield, score yeah. by guys, and, and give you. So, generally speaking, ground ball guys are going to have better BABIPs than fly ball guys. But 216 is an outlier, even for Paul DeYoung, who's a 282 career guy. So, if that yeah. kind of gets back. He's so also, uh, I think it was Jason pointed out an article that uh, talked about he is working with uh, some new trainers um, and supposedly is looking really, really good. Uh, his life. Reworking, yeah, reworking his swing a little bit, um, you know, trying to work on making a little bit more contact. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. I mean, Ed, pick what, like 400 or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I was going to look it up for you. It's 490, dude. It's yeah, 490 for Paul DeYoung. He's going to play every day at 490. Getting a guy who's probably going to get 500 to 600 plate appearances is is worth it. Like the, the only thing I would say is he the playing time is not guaranteed if he plays like he did last I'm year. I'm pretty sure they said that he's going to be given the starting job. That's fine. Game. That's to start. Yeah. If he plays like he did last year, he's losing his job. Look, Whether it's Tawan Yepes, Lars Newbar, I'm yeah. not. I'm not countering you and saying don't draft him. I'm saying that stability, like, it's not a guarantee. Yeah, he's going to start with a job, which is why you draft him. But he then will the, be threatened then, this year. But then pair him in a DC with someone like Nolan Gorman, who we know is going to yeah. be up in a month or two. And hey, you ride with him for the first month. He doesn't work out. You've got Gorman to come in yep. and take his place. On you can off. take the young and Gorman, the young and Yepes. Mm -hmm. Young and Newt Bar, whatever you want to do there, to have that's kind of your insurance, and it doesn't kill you because those guys are cheaper than him. Gorman mm -hmm. goes five thirty one, Yepes goes five fifty six, and Newt Bar goes six thirty six. So you're totally fine to go ahead and 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 kind of supplement and handcuff your your DeYoung pick if you want because those guys aren't expensive. But that's how we kind of see it playing out with DeYoung starting in the short in the uh, DH role, and then maybe they can. Uh, you know, he, he can get a shot at short every once in a while to get uh, Goldschmidt off his feet, Arenado off his feet, even some of the young outfielders off their feet, mm -hmm. uh, Yadi Molina off his feet type of deal. But for the most part, I think it can be the young if he bounces back. Yep. All right, let's go out to Milwaukee and talk about what they've got going. Um, they don't have Vogelbach anymore, right? He's a free agent. Yeah, they really re let him go. Nonsense. Yeah. Um, so let's see their, their decisions, I think come down to, I, I really like it for my boy, Rowdy Telez, who got back on track with them once he was traded over. <laughs> I know Keston here too. And like a Telez, even though this, this doesn't need to happen. Rowdy Telez does not need a platoon partner. He has shown in his career that he can hit lefties enough that I think he deserves a chance. And I know it takes a long time for platoon splits to stabilize, but I also know that teams do just look at the performance of guys and give it weight one way or the other. If they're not performing off of 300 plate appearances, they stop facing that hand as much. If they are performing, they, they should be able to have the counter happen where they get those plate appearances. And over the course of Telez's career, he's hit lefties as almost exactly as well as he's hit righties. 755 OPS in 242 plate appearances. But all that lead up to say that Mike Brasso could definitely take some, some, yeah. some stuff there and platoon because Brasso destroys lefties. And the, he does the only natural platoon partner in that infield is Teles. Yep. Now, now, Brousseau could be the guy who's the short side platoon at first, and then Teles DHs, and maybe that's on those Teles. days. Yeah, and that's a good call. Days. 
that could definitely happen. Tyrone Taylor is going to be, you know, he's the guy who we have penciled in over on roster resource. Uh, And he'll be in against lefties. Yeah, but he's and he's also going to play when Kane gets hurt. As he probably will, because he's old and injury prone. I hope not, but he's yeah. he's gonna give God. He's gonna give Yelich days off when Yelich For gets sure. hurt, or just to keep him fresh. He's gonna, you know, give Hunter Renfro. Yeah, so T- I, Taylor's a true fourth outfielder. He plays. Yeah. He he showed some things last year. I think that they liked enough, especially with his platoon split, because he was just a lefty only type guy, and then he he stood tall a little bit against righties. Uh, for his level, you know, he had uh, seven of his 12 homers with a over 200 ISO, good for a 747 OPS against righties Tyrone Taylor had to maybe get some more playing time there. So I think they'll move. Here's the thing. If Keston Hira gets back on track, he's the everyday DH guaranteed. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Now, that's um, a giant if because of how we know how terrible we've been since yeah, 2019. There was an article that came out yesterday saying he is ditching the toe tap um, and completely reworking his swing mechanics. So I'll be I, I, I root with, for him, but I do too because he's he's a fun player to watch. He he's really definitely is. worth a gamble. Um, oh yeah, let me pull up his ADP. What do you what, you what do you guess it is? If you don't know, three seventy five is my guess. Three seventy five for Keston here, boy. You're gonna be loving this because you're getting a fat discount on that. Four ninety five. Wow. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take twenty that dark. cheaper all Absolutely. day. Yeah, all I'll day like. Dark. You know, uh, once you use a second round pick, yeah, not that long. Once you display a skill, you own it. Uh, he had a 139 WRC plus in 2019 with 19 homers and nine steals. And yes, rabbit ball, sure. But even in 2020, when things were falling apart and he only hit 212, he still had a 198 ISO. I think he's at least a, a, you know, 190 to 210 ISO guy, maybe not the 268 from 2019 for Keston here. It all comes down to making more contact. So you talk about ditching the toe tap. Mm-hmm. I believe he uses an actual redwood tree for his bat too. So maybe using be. a little bit lighter bat would help too. I know Brandon Inge used to do that too. And it was like, it was always like a fun little story or whatever. It's like, but you also can't get around on anything. So yeah. Why are you doing that? It's the it's the branches that catch on things. <laughs> That's yeah. true. Exactly. They get caught on like catcher mm-hmm. gear. Uh, mm-hmm. One time he like ripped off the umpire's mask on a swing because it was a rogue branch that really got him. So it just creates too much havoc. But yeah, I, I can't quit Hira. Uh, I did last year, actually. I, sh- I shouldn't say I can't, but I, I, I got to get back in at this price. This is, this yeah, is absolutely. free. This yeah. is free that we're talking about. So Hira, Brasso, Telez, Tyrone Taylor, Couple a lot of, of guys couple names I'll just throw out there. Let's hear them. Corey Ray, um, yep. who's one of their top prospects, who's kind of had up and down pedigree. Yep. Um, he is likely going to be up at some point. He's on um, the 40s. That's that's a on the huge 40s. advantage. Are and you going to say the other guy from, from Fall League? David Dahl is a non-invite. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, talking about another guy I can't quit. Jesus. Um. I've never been a David Dahl guy. I, I, I um, always have been. And, and I remember desperately wanting Detroit to get him last year when he was available. And turns shout, out we dodged a bullet there. Shout out to our good buddy, Colin Weatherwax. Right. Uh, who is like the David Dahl And rubbed fan. it in. Rubbed it in uh, that his team got him over me. Because remember there was that mm-hmm. Dahl to Detroit hashtag that actually went mm-hmm. a bit viral. And uh, and all of that. And he's like, oh, we got Dahl. Yeah, you did, Colin. How'd that work out for yeah, you, bud? It was See great. You in the Twitch chat tonight. Yeah, it was, it was fantastic. So... Uh, we know that there's talent in the bat. He's he dude cannot stay healthy. Um, yeah. he's gonna so, be like a Rocco Baldelli, what if type of guy by the time, absolutely. Uh, but 
I mean, if he makes a team, yep. You know, no, you're right the, to bring him up. He's, he's a non-roster invite. If he makes the team, he could be interesting. Milwaukee's a great place to hit. So. The guy that I was thinking about, and he's probably not even coming up this year, but I wasn't sure if you were going to go there. But Joey Weimer, uh, or mm-hmm. Weimer, that we saw at Fall League, um, he's only been as high as double as high as high A, but he went to the Fall League. I think because of the, the missed development year, which is huge. Like it sucks so bad for the 2020 draftees. He could make it this year, despite the fact that he's only been to high a because he's already 23. He did get to go to the fall league and show out. Um, he had a great two level season at a and, and a plus or high a rather. So he'll start probably at double a. I wonder if they, if they skip double a with him and, and challenge him. I don't know. We'll see about that, but he could be a quick riser. He has crazy good power. He's just one of those freak freak athlete types. Joey Weimer. Uh, W-I-E-M-E-R. Just keep the name in your head. Don't draft him right now. I really don't think you need to. If you're in Dynasty Leagues, of course, he, he might already be gone. But if not, then that's somewhere to get him. But don't – I wouldn't even draft him in 50 rounders right now. That's No. It's not it's, for that kind of name. It's just to know him. If he comes up in the summer, then you say, oh, Spore and, and Justin talked about him. Mm-hmm. I remember him type of deal. One of the misconceptions about 50-round draft holds is that you want to take a lot of shots on – up and coming prospects. Correct. You're right that that's a perception and it's wrong. It, it is absolutely wrong because by the time your roster gets to May, June, July, you're going to have so many injuries that you're not going to want someone sitting on your roster. It's not even the majors. Yep. So, and that shit happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Every year I have a team that in May, I look at my team and I go, it happened last year. So in a, in a draft, uh, it was my first draft of the year in 2021. Um, and I drafted Trey Turner, and I drafted Mondesi, I think, or someone. And, like, all of a sudden, you know, a month into the season, because Mondesi got hurt, and I think Turner got hurt, mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm playing Eric Sogard at shortstop. <laughs> less than ideal. Yeah. So, no offense yeah. to Eric Sogard. He's out there doing his thing, but less yeah, than ideal. He was at least playing. Yeah. Um, but then you start to get into those points where you're like, I don't have a playable dude. Mm-hmm. And that is tough. And that's, you can't win doing that. And that's why you're going to see if you follow, you know, some of these NFBC uh, studs, uh, those of you that, you know, get deep into the NFBC stuff, you know, kind of the big dogs out there. You look at their rosters, you're going to see so much like boring talent picked mm-hmm. in those middle rounds because they're guys that are going to play. They're yep. just guys that what why do you why'd you take him? He has a job. Why'd you take him? He has a job. That's just the st- stock answer with those middle late round guys that are just there for volume. You yep. know, why'd you take Patrick Corbin? You believe in a comeback? No, I don't know, but he's gonna start. And what if he does? He's gonna mm-hmm. he's better than taking Nick Lodolo, even though Nick Lodolo's sexy and it's like, oh, that's so sick. I wanna I wanna get the up and coming lefty prospect. Give me the guy who's pitching and he's gonna make 30 starts if he's healthy. Even though they might not be great, I might need them for a couple weeks. Was that a dig at Keith Law? No. Why? What did he say? Oh, you didn't see Keith Law left Nick Lodolo off his top 100 prospects, and a bunch of Reds people or Reds like Twitter like went after him like why, and he was like, I know more than you, and so some Reds blog uh, did an article, and the title of it was. Keith Law not on Nick Lodolo's top 100 prospect evaluators list. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's it's, it's um, an amazing troll. I, listen, prospecting is, is 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 something that can have such wide ranging opinions. I totally get that. I have a hard time not seeing him as a as a top 100 guy now. 
I'm just some run of the mill idiot. I don't do that for I don't do it for a living, but that's that seems off to me, no? Yeah, it seemed off to me too, but I have a ton of respect for people who do the prospect stuff yeah, because it's hard. It's it is so hard and I don't have the time or bandwidth to yep. watch low A games. You and, know, and, on, and on a he, regular basis. Like Yeah, I mean, yeah. And and these and these folks, you know, like like uh, Kevin and Eric for us and, mm -hmm. and, and Keith and whoever else out there. And we have friends across the, I'm not going to try to name everybody, but you get it. The prospecting industry. So many of those guys are putting boots on the ground. Our boy, Chris Welsh lives in Arizona, puts boots on the ground. If you're not mm -hmm. listening to prospect one and you care about prospects, what are you doing? Like you're wasting somebody who's there getting actual info. Yeah. So here I'm not, I disagree with the pick and I disagree with other things that, that, that he's done on on different things but uh i'm not gonna be here to say like you're a thousand percent wrong because i tell you what he had him 102 last year nick Lindolo. now that was coming in the last year and i think with graduations and his performance albeit for only 50 innings and maybe it's just that maybe it's just the health piece too it did, might he be. Say, did he say why did, did we get any reason i never why? saw i never okay. saw why but but that's funny I, that I, they, I just they trolled back yeah troll job yeah uh you know so Shout out, to, shout out to you prospect guys, you know, James Hopefully Anderson, he took the troll, the troll Matt, in stride. Matt Thompson, Eric Cross, yep. all you guys doing uh, the prospect Chris work. Blessing. So Chris Blessing. So that way I don't have to do nearly mm -hmm. as much. Yeah, because I try to expand my bandwidth every year on it. I did the prospect list on our board last year for fantasy, and I would – I couldn't have done it without the work of those guys. I like reading yeah. their stuff and absor absorbing it because I can't watch everything. I don't watch everything. And and I had to get so many opinions, but it was so much fun talking to people to be like, tell me about this guy in A ball and, and double A. Because I really I, I'm really strong on triple A, getting better at double A, but then beyond that, I've never seen IA guy. I, I don't I don't watch IA games. So I respect everything about I pretty it. much just watch the guys I draft. <laughs> Like a, yeah, I'm in some pretty deep dynasty leagues. So I know like, you you get in you get um, deep in there. So I you have a, more of a reason. I watch, to watch yeah, it. I watch a lot, but it's only because guys like you know like the guys I just mentioned, Matt Thompson, you know, you know, Prospects Live, uh, James Anderson, like these guys, you know, Eric Cross over Van Tracks, um, like you know, Chris Welsh, like these guys get video and then they share it with people mm -hmm. like because they share the video that then I don't have to go and watch a full game. I can just watch, you know, a five minute clip of this guy's swing. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that that's thank Like I said, thank God for those guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and women. Yeah. The, and the prospect community, Shelly, Shelly, Shelly yeah. absolutely kills it. And, uh, I, I love, watching people kind of take control of their 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 own fate in the prospect world and be like you know what i'm just gonna start going to games and mm -hmm. you see them just start that's the best way to do it if you live i, I, near I wish i wish i was a little bit closer to san jose um so i could go watch the, the san jose giants so the I need to go to way more round rock games this year yeah you're right know. there i know i know yeah. it's real it's yeah absolutely this year this year we'll get it done all right uh who do we have next on the list is it cincinnati I'm not I would, yeah, Cincinnati. Right All right, Cincinnati. They're a little up in the air, too. I, I know every team is, so it's going to get tired to keep saying that. But um, as it stands right now, I feel like it's really just going to be rotating. I think it helps Aristides Aquino right now. But I really think with guys like Votto, 
Suarez, Moustakis, who are older, especially Votto, but then health issues like Moose. And then also their their premium catcher, Tyler Stevenson, can get off his feet and not have to play even first base. He can get some DH burn there. I think Moose jumps right back into the lineup now. Now we don't have to worry mm-hmm. about, like, where is he going to play? Um, but Aristides Aquino could maybe get a little bit more burn as well. So I, that's kind of how I see it. What do you think happens in Cincy? We, by the way, we have Moose penciled in. Yeah, I, I think there's a ton of guys that are going to get help from this because this is one of those lineups. And I do think that they're a team that could move you know, one or two of these guys in this lineup to even free things up a little bit more. So that way, Correct. like Nick Senzel can get more run. Because um, um, I know that... Bar- Jose Barrero can get in the lineup where he belongs over mm-hmm. Kyle freaking Farmer. Sorry, Kyle Farmer, I know you listen, but... Yeah. So I think whoever misses out on, you know, like Story and Correa, like Kyle Farmer might be one of those, like, backup plans. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, little addition, but it's not going to cost them very much. Uh, you know, it'll be nice not to have to worry about like Eugenio Suarez having to actually like platoon or, or battle for playing time though. He, he finished up strongly enough where I think yeah. he's going to have a role either way, but his power is um, still gross. And he has a hell, hell of a big contract. He's, no. he's going way too late too. Um, Shut up, dude. He's it's insane. How late he's going. Third base and shortstop eligible. Dual eligible at pick 200 for 30, for 30 Th- bombs. Yeah. So he's well, gonna pick 30, 191. Excuse me. Yeah. He's going to 30 bombs. Whatever, with his eyes yeah. closed like yeah. it, it's it's 30 it's 30 at the starting point right mm-hmm. now if he rebounds it's 35 plus with a chance at another 40 something maybe yeah, not 49 yeah. um and yeah i think he can get back on track even with a, a palatable average i'll take 230 to be honest from a eugenio suarez so yeah i agree with you though that a lot of guys can get what about um we didn't mention winker as as the guy to get him out of the outfield because he's dreadful out there I didn't realize how bad he was out there. He's a, he's a dreadful fielder. It's it's oh. a tough scene out yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think he was going to necessarily lose much time, anyways. No, no, uh, no, no, no. They they deal with it. I'm saying they they do it to like improve. That would and, be nice. And TJ, that would be TJ Friedel is a guy that's super interesting to me. Talk to uh, me about him then. I, I've been seeing the name pop up. We actually have him penciled in as the as the strong side part of the platoon. Uh, he played a bit last year. He's a 26 year old. You know, so he's not some. Uh, you know, big time prospect, but he played well in his tiny sample. Uh, he played well in the minors last year too at AAA. Went twelve and thirteen on the homers and steals in four hundred forty-eight plate appearances. He was caught seven times and then didn't run in his thirty-six plate appearances in the majors. But he had more walks than strikeouts, almost at a two-to-one clip in that small major league sample. It was four to two, by the way. He did have it at a two-to-one clip. Actually, it was four walks, two strikeouts. So I don't want to overrate it, but he is known for having strong plate skills. So you think TJ Friedel could be something this year? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he could maybe like short side platoon. He's a pretty decent defender, and he's got a ton of speed. Uh, enough pop that I think plays, especially in a park like Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, super, super late DC kind of pick. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm t- I've been taking some dart throws on him, uh, you know, in case he's he does. nothing, dude. Oh, my God, he's picked 745. Yeah. He doesn't yeah, even he, go in every draft. Wow. Yeah, he, he is last pick of your draft in a 50-round draft. Well, 15-team 50-round draft. Kind I of think guy. that's – yeah. So, like, if you're looking for your super, super deep sleeper, TJ Friedel is an interesting guy. I want to say – I'm trying to remember exactly his backstory. I can't remember if he was the guy that was, like, after the draft was ruled ineligible or something, had to go play in Japan or something. I can't remember. Oh, word? Let me see. Um, see if I can find something here, but I, I can't remember exactly like what his. his no, no, it looks like, like he was. Looks like he was 
not drafted. He might have been an undrafted free agent. From what I can, because they don't have a draft. Yeah. They say where he went to school, but they don't have a draft thing for uh, for TJ Friedel. And so then uh, after, what's SMR? If you see, uh, I don't know. Sorry, I, I assumed you were looking at his. Uh, what the Northwoods League is that? Some sort of and it sounds like an independent ball. That's oh, a collegiate summer league. It's a collegiate summer league. So he played there, and then got picked up out of there. I think by the by the Reds. Hmm. So then he went to rookie yeah. league from there. He's always been Friedel's always been a little old for his level. So keep that in mind when you're looking at his minor league stats, because you're going to go, you know, and and see that uh, there's some pretty decent numbers there. But the plate skills play even as he moves up. And like I said, he came to the majors. Plate skills are there, and he's got good speed. I think for somebody that's penciled in, uh, strong. Okay. I go ahead. I I, I figured it out. So, it's, go ahead. so he misunderstood the eligibility rules to be drafted. Um, oh my and god! So and he, nobody helped him. And he thought he only had to play college baseball for three years, and he that he didn't have to attend college for three years. So he apparently dropped out of college or something early. TJ and was ruled ineligible Teach. to be drafted, and and that's why he was an undrafted free agent. I know there was talk at some point that he would go to uh, overseas. He apparently did not. Okay. Um, but I think he would have been like. Like they were talking, like he was a top two or three round pick before this mistake. Oh um, wow! So he really cost so, himself. Yeah, and then prospect guys, hopefully, will correct me if I'm wrong. So, but I mean, I think he's really interesting. Like it's a super super late dart throw. Put him in the last round. The thing that uh, kills me is that I know I'm not saying everybody uses our website, but I know tons of people are going to go to roster resource that are in these drafting holds. Mm -hmm. So they're seeing a guy that we have penciled in as a strong side platoon and he's going that cheaply with speed. Yeah. That's, I mean, Hey, good for us. You know, uh, and I mean, a, for a us. decent enough hit tool. Like it's yeah. Great plate skills to go with it. And a hit tool that, you know, he's not going to get, not just going to get the bat knocked out of his hand. So you know, you know, I think he's kind of interesting. interesting. I wonder what the steamer 600 is on him. I can get that for you. I bet I'm steamer currently has him for 275. I could actually do it in my head too, or not in my head. Oh, that's hilarious that I said that I could never, <laughs> I would literally die. My brain is the hamster would start. The hamster would die from trying to do that. Um, so 275 times 600, that's gonna be 17 homers. Um, and then 16 steals with a 260 average would be his steam okay. or 600. Okay, they say 17, 14. Okay, I was close. I was just extrapolating the 275. Yeah, with uh, 74 runs, 69 overrides. Now, that's obviously that's a projection if he got 600 plate appearances, but you're telling but if you me got that, that at pick 50? Yeah, if yeah, pick around pick 700 if you're getting a 17, 14 guy. Yeah, I think that would be cool. So yeah, TJ Friedel, good good call out there. I, I, like I said, I knew the name and everything, but I had not really given him the time of day to dive in. I've got some intrigue. I'm gonna I'm gonna give a shout to Shogo Akiyama. I'm still not out. I'm not out either. And the price just continues to drop. And I know we haven't really seen much. He's even cheaper than Friedel. And you know he was really good overseas. Wait, wait, he's cheaper than Friedel? Yeah, he's he picked seven forty seven. He only went. What? He's only been in. He's only been taken in one draft since uh, January twenty fifth. If you are in my DCs right now, which I'm in two one with you, mm -hmm. I will be drafting these guys in rounds four, 49 and fifty. So if you want them, you're gonna have to you jump get in them round early. 
I mean, I know we'll be we'll be racing. We'll be playing chicken on Friedel with each other. Mm-hmm. That's too good of an opportunity to just. It, it really is, and Akiyama could be Friedel. By the way, just everything we just said about Friedel, it could be Akiyama. He doesn't just have quite pair good... them in in, yeah. in hope that they're either platoon hope... and you can your or one beats out the other. Yeah, well, they're they're both lefties, so that would be difficult. They wouldn't oh, make a, I, a perfect platoon. That's but that's why I said everything we said about Friedel. That could be Akiyama. He's got pretty good plate skills. He's got good speed. Um, he doesn't have as, as good a plate skills, but he also has a track record from overseas that says, hey, this guy can play, and we just haven't quite seen it yet. He's only gotten 366 major league plate appearances. It's all right to give somebody a little time to adjust. I know he came over at age 32, so the clock's ticking. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I've still got some love for Akiyama. I wanted to give him a little shout, and I did mention Aristides Aquino. At the very beginning of this, let's move on to our next team from the Central, and that would be... Chicago. Oh, yeah, oh wait, that, that, yeah, Chicago then Pittsburgh. Yeah, is that yeah. is that what I have in uh, on the on the sheet? I don't know. There? I'm not looking at the sheet. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. No, that that's the order. That's the order I put them in. Uh, so Chicago, the Cubbies. Does David Bodie finally get a a season? He's injured. Oh, what happened? He had some. Oh yeah, that's right. He's going to miss like the first two months. Of the that's season. right. That's right. I took him off my list uh, recently. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. And I wrote that before. I I wrote that. I mean, he might have been injured. It's I guess Harold Ramirez season, baby. Yes. Do you know how much I would love that? I love Harold it's, Ramirez. I mean, I, uh, I think. Oh Clint wait, Fra- Clint it's Frazier. Clint Frazier's season. That's who we yeah, put in the age. I, yeah, I think Clint Frazier's probably going, but he was going to play either way. I think. Yeah, I think, I think they made that move so they could play him. So I, I think that while Frazier probably occupies it the most, especially considering all of his like concussion issues and things mm-hmm. like that, I think they will they will do their best to kind of protect him. I think Harold Ramirez gets a lot of playing time now, uh, which makes him super, super interesting because I think it was Jeff Zimmerman, right? It was like, you know, early early on in the offseason, like ran projections, and he was like, Harold Ramirez is going a few hundred picks too low. So uh, I, I like. I'm an OG Harold Ramirez hipster. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, in 2019. I'm just a sucker for late batting average that has some pop mm-hmm. and not, not much pop, not much. I'm not, I'm not overstating his power, but he makes a lot of contact. And I think there could be a nice batting average there with, you know, some little contributions in, in homers and steals. If he collects, you know, 450 plate appearances and he can platoon with Hayward, he can cut in on this DH. I think Harold Ramirez is definitely licking his chops that the NL got the DH. So I like that one. I think yeah. the Cubs are easy. I don't even know if we need to really go any deeper. Um, Anybody else you want to give a shout to? Just uh, Sergio Alcantara is. Uh, I don't think he's going to get much DH time, but he's he's yeah. a guy that is going to be kind of their super utility guy. Could find his way to like 350, 400 plate appearances, and he's a little bit interesting. He's one of these one of those guys I have in that super deep dynasty league that I, I reference a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. that I drafted, super, you know. In like you know, with the eighteenth millionth pick of of a draft four years ago, so uh, D- decent decent prospect, right? You mm-hmm, know, yeah, n- nothing crazy, but like could spike something, and then playing time rules all. So if he does find some more PT, that I mean, yeah, not no no power, but there's contact and speed there. So mm-hmm. uh, probably a super util or you know or utility infielder kind of guy, but just someone. I mean, that Cubs team is so weirdly built. I know. And again, another one of these teams that. Could easily bring someone else in, right? I mean, yes, yes, we saw them sign Strowman. They, you know, they they picked up. They could bring Rizzo back there. and then put Schwindel at DH. Yeah, 
I mean, they, they could. I'm, I'm not. That's not a rumor or mm-hmm. anything. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. But I'm saying like, I, I don't know what they're doing. They're weird. The Cubs are so weird. I, I I don't understand it because, like, as much as I I think Stroman's a great pitcher, I, I like I like the fact that they they brought him in. This team looks like it's got a longer rebuild process than most. So why three years? With and then Wade, and then already... Wade, Wade Miley. Yeah. Also, like, well, that's because he was free. Like, because the Reds are stupid. But yeah, uh, I, yeah I hear you. I I guess they're trying to do a retool, but they kind of tore it down. So I yeah, don't. They know don't really have enough for a retool. I, at least I don't think they've got enough in the minor leagues to be like. Hey, I don't either. But this they crop seem to is think coming so. up. Yeah. This is a gap year or something. They, they seem um, to think so, and I know they. I know they did a great job replenishing last year by trading the stars. Um, they really, really did well with the uh, with the Bryant Rizzo mm-hmm. and Bias trades all told, but. It's not going to bear fruit just yet, and I don't know. They're weird. They're weird. But that's the Cubs. Let's go over to the Pirates, finish up the Central here. In my roster review of them, I, I said Michael Chavis has a good shot at picking up some playing time. Uh, that's exactly who we ended up penciling in as well. Uh, I think Colin – oh, no, they non-tendered Colin Moran, didn't they? They did, yeah. He, okay, he, so not not him. I mentioned him too, but again, he they they were one of the first ones written on October fourteenth, so nothing had happened yet. Um, I also want to give a shout to Hoy Park, who I who I find some intrigue in. Twenty six years old, uh, came over from the Yankees last year. It showed a few flashes here and there. Nothing great overall. It was a seventy five WRC plus. I'm not trying to sell you on that. I'm just keeping I'm just keeping his name in my head. Could also open up avenues for your boy Cole Tucker. Yeah, there really it is. Like. There's my boy. So Cole Tucker. And I know you've talked about him, but uh, g- give your give your quick synopsis for those that haven't heard it about why you like Cole Tucker so much this year. As you know, he's almost in kind of your your next Cedric Mullins grouping when when you're forced to talk about that. Yeah, exactly. He's he's someone I'll mention. Um, he, he let off a little bit for them uh, down the stretch, which is something you know that I identified with Mullins. Uh, there's not much power here. Uh, I don't th- I don't think he's turning into a 30 homer guy, but I think he could hit 10 to 15. But I do, and I do think he could steal a ton of bases. He's got really good contact skills and amazing hair. Just unbelievable. <laughs> he does hair. have like tremendous hair. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, Cole Tucker is a guy that I really like. I do think that he won't personally benefit from it, but other players will will play DH. And exactly, will take their spot. He's gonna he's gonna play a little bit of everywhere, you know, from you know second shortstop and in, in all all throughout the outfield. So I think he's gonna I think he's gonna weasel his way into five hundred plate appearances because that team is awful uh, and they're gonna move guys around a lot. So. Uh, yep. Cole Tucker, someone I, I just you know I keep gonna gonna continue to keep talking about. Yeah, keep in mind sometimes when we talk about somebody, it's not them directly going into mm-hmm. the position, but rather um, the the way mm-hmm. things will will balance out. They will be the the beneficiary there. And yeah, Cole I mean, Tucker, I think the main beneficiary, like you said, is is Chavis probably, um, and you know, who, who I don't love, by the way, he is who he is. He's Bobby Dahlbeck. Yeah, uh, uh, probably not as strong, but, but yeah, but so. that's uh, it's that it's that profile type. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't have as much power. That's that's unfair to Dalbeck. That's unfair to Dalbeck. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Dalbeck has a lot more power. Hoy Park is a little interesting. I think there is a chance he gets some, you know, some added run from this. Uh, you know, he's kind of a, a top-ish prospect, so like a he, back hundred, I believe, kind of guy. Um, 
but uh, yeah, he's 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 a little bit interesting. Um, yeah, so I think keep that name that. keep that name in your head too, Hoy Park. And we've already talked about Yoshi Tsutsugo as somebody to keep an eye on. Um, this just further ensures his playing time. Though he was already going to play first, I think pretty much every day. But again, he's just not going anywhere. Those and, of uh, you who play, hits. those of you who play Yahoo, Hoy Park, I believe is eligible everywhere. Oh, you love to see it. Super so. util types. All right, let's move out west. Dodgers. Um, it's going to be a rotating spot. Like that's just they already rotate like every spot on their team. I could not possibly fathom them settling on a, a firm DH. I just don't see it. It helps Gavin Lux outlook. Gavin Lux's outlook, I should say. Um, Zach McKinstry, Matt Beatty. Now they're all lefties, unfortunately. So that there's no like obvious platoon there. Um any uh you know, a guy I like, but uh, he's not on the 40 man yet, so it's more of an in-season thing, not not somebody to draft is Michael Bush. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he peaked at double A this year for for 170 or he played a double A all year. Right? Not, it wasn't a two level season, but hit 20 homers there. He's pretty intriguing. We'll see what he can do in triple A this year. He could be knocking on the door. He's another lefty though, so I don't think that it's anybody set in stone. But I think Gavin Lux is the biggest winner. What do you think about the Dodgers in the DH? I like Michael Bush a lot. He's not on the 40 man. Um, yeah, guy, that's the tough. So. He's an in season guy. Do not draft yeah. him. He's like Joey Weimer. I've um, taken him in a DC or two. Um, but it, like as one of my only prospects, uh, I think there is kind of a regular DH guy on this team, and I think it's AJ Pollock. Pollock? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think I read you, know, you like a book. I, I mean, I think it just helps him. But stay here's the thing: he was going to. You're right. To that to that degree of like, he was going to play every day anyway. That's he my was, point. That's the only point I'm trying to make there. But yes. I, I I think the difference is. We, this keeps him healthier. This, yeah, this keeps him on the field, so he actually can play every day. So I think he cool. will probably play seventy five percent of his games at DH and then in the outfield, uh, you know, occasionally. But that'll open up a role for guys like Beatty or guys like Gavin Lux, or uh, yeah. you know, give those guys a little bit more opportunity. I still love Zach McKinstry too. McKinstry is interesting. Yeah, I'm a sucker for but guys like that. I think like McKinstry, Beatty. Luke Rayleigh, like I think these guys are going to be rotating until one of them gets hot, and then they'll yeah. ride with that hot hand for whatever. You know, I think McKinstry has probably got the most upside out of that group. So if you're going to even over Lux, someone... oh no, 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 I'm, I, I assume Lux will have a full time role now. Okay, okay, so you're, you're going with the Rayleigh. Um, yeah, uh, Lux uh, is either going to play full time at second or full time in the outfield. Or Rayleigh, Beatty, and then who else? McKinstry. Oh, McKinstry, the guy we're talking yeah. about. I'm a dumbass. So, yeah, I'm, of those three, you like McKinstry the best? I do, too, yeah, by, I, I by do a too. lot. By yeah. a lot. All right, Giants, also a team I think they rotate. Again, they rotated everything last year as far as uh, as far as far platoons and whatnot. Biggest winner has to be Darren Ruff, though, no? Yeah, because I think they can uh, potentially play Brandon Belt mostly at DH. Uh, and, and then Ruff can play some first. Ruff plays first and keeps him healthy. I also think a huge winner is Joey Bart. Um, I think Joey Bart will catch, or when he's not catching, uh, will play some DH too because uh, while he's still developing, I think that bat is pretty decent, uh, especially comparatively speaking to a lot of the other bats in that lineup. So mm-hmm. uh, I think Bart gets a few more, you know, and this is something we haven't actually mentioned throughout the podcast. We should have been. There are going to be catchers. Tyler Stevenson's an example. Um, yep. I think Travis Darno is an example. Real Muto is an example of guys who are going to get more plate appearances at DH, you know, as a catcher, which increases their value. Yep. 
Um, to that end, I think it will help even with someone like a Will Smith, a younger guy. Will uh, Smith is Dodgers. huge, huge, because Will Smith, I think, has the potential to get 600 plate appearances this year yep. because when he is not catching, he may be – you know, he may be that full-time DH. So I think, you know, the times they'll probably figure it out with AJ Pollock. Oh, Will Smith is, you know, isn't catching today. AJ, you're playing out in the field, you know, and Will Smith, I think Will Smith is, is, you know, reason why I'm willing to take him uh, in the fifth round is because I think here's a real chance. He's going to get 500 to 600 play appearances. Totally agree with that. For for those of you who are just listening audio version, Paul has switched. You're his missing camera. out. Yeah, switch his camera to Charlotte, who, <laughs> who is quietly grooming herself. Yeah, she's grooming right now. She got one ear flipped back like a total dweeb. Uh, Lamont Wade Jr. also gets a benefit here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with an extra spot, doesn't have to come out as often. Shouldn't really be playing against lefties though. I, honestly, if I would be perfectly happy to still draft Lamont Wade, even if they come out and said he's only going to play against righties on a on a strong side platoon, it wouldn't deter me at all. Just get rid yeah. of all the lefty at bats. That's fine. I think maybe a guy like um, Austin Slater becomes in- yes. a little bit more interesting too. Just another uh, avenue for a few mm-hmm. more plate appearances for him. And he's kind of didn't he steal like twelve bases last year in like yeah, five he, seconds of playing time? Yeah, he he his speed fifteen. And, he went twelve yeah. and fifteen in three hundred six plate appearances. And he's not punchless. I mean, Wilmer Flores, another guy who's going to get added plate appearances, no doubt. Um, you know, especially because as they as the Giants move guys to DH. He'll, you know, he could play so many positions in that infield that he'll get uh, a little bit more time. So uh, they're going to maximize play appearances, and they're another team again who could go out and get a big bat. Like there's been talk that they they could be interested in Nick Castellanos. Um, you know, there was even talk that they could be interested in Trevor Story or Correa. Mm-hmm. Uh, though I, I don't necessarily understand that one when you've resigned. When you just resigned Crawford, uh, uh, yeah. Crawford, yeah. Like I don't know, unless Story's gonna play second or third um, Longoria. I mean, yeah, yeah Stella's not blocking anybody. So they could, I mean, they could, they could, right. They could, if yeah. one of them would be interested in playing second, uh, you know, for the first year or for the first couple of years of the deal, and then they can move back to short or something. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't, I know, I know, spend, so. I know story has mentioned he'd be willing to, you know, play a different position, but for, for the right team. I mean, yeah, you know, and, and I think it was third base. Uh, I think and Correa, I believe, said he would as well. So, I mean, theoretically, you could put one of them at third base, and then Longoria becomes your DH. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that. So. All right, uh, Padres time. What can the Padres do with a DH role? Now, they're another team that I, I think we'd have more clarity on what they're going to do if there was an offseason uh, mm-hmm. that wasn't stunted. Um I think Nola, I think this helps Austin Nola, who, you know, is penciled in as a catcher right now, as their catcher right now, but they do have three on the roster in Nola, Caratini, and Jorge Alfaro, who they acquired, and then also Luis Compensano on the come up. But Nola, I think, is being kind of ignored at catcher. And I wonder if this DH situation uh, brings him back into focus for you at all. Are, are you are you interested by that? Uh, if not, who do you see benefiting um you like our boy Hassan Kim to 
benefit from this indirectly perhaps maybe not he playing dh but other people playing dh and then he can Mm -hmm. slot in we have profar penciled in profar is not going to be the everyday dh because he can move around too much he's too flexible yeah i think no i do think profar is probably the biggest beneficiary and kim i think those are the biggest beneficiaries it just opens up another avenue for them uh you know especially if they're going to give maybe they give tetis more days at dh to kind of keep the shoulder you know because tetis didn't get hurt swinging he got hurt playing the field um, and so maybe Kim plays a little bit more shortstop, um, you know, uh, in order to kind of help or Cronenworth plays more shortstop, you know, put Kim at second, um, put, you know, Profar, you know, at first, you know, who knows? I think it's going to be a kind of a rotating thing. Um, I'll be interested to see what kind of moves they make because there's been talk that they could be looking to trade guys like Will Myers or Eric Hosmer and, mm-hmm. and even offering prospects or free up space to give some more of these guys or even bring in another guy. Uh, so I think this is a really, really unsettled roster. Um, I, you know, going back to your, your Austin Nola question, I don't really know what to make of what they're doing. They've got, like you said, three catchers on the roster. I know Alfaro's played some outfield, yeah, but I don't think they want necessarily to play a guy like Alfaro in the outfield on a regular basis, it makes me wonder if maybe Austin Nola is going to be on the move because I assume that they want to keep Darvish happy and Caratini on the roster. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the whole reason they, they made the move for Caratini with Darvish was because, you know, they, they like working with each other. So I wonder if Nola is going to be a guy who gets dealt after, you know, things open back up. Um, if he's not, then yeah, he would be kind of interesting if they're if they're planning on giving him uh, more DH role. It's what made him interesting in Seattle was the fact that he would play other positions, non catching catcher. Uh, yeah, but then the time the when he actually broke out, when Noel actually broke out, it was because he was catching because Tom Murphy got hurt. Yeah, so I remember uh, it was one of those where you get the right answer, but if you showed your work, it was wrong. Because mm-hmm. I was pumping him up. I loved Austin Noel, non catching yeah. catcher, non catching catcher. Well, then Tom Murphy gets hurt. He actually was quite good. But not for the right reasons. He's he is thirty two as well though. Nola's new on the scene because he just debuted in twenty nineteen. But he's not a young guy, so I don't know. I think he could benefit from the DH. I'm just saying, don't forget about him at, at catcher. And I think the the general fantasy community kind of has buried him. And I I consider myself firmly among that. He was a guy that I did really like, uh, somebody that I was pumping a couple years in a row. And then this year he really has fallen down my list. But now that the DH is solidified. I'm I'm gonna bump him up a little bit for sure. He goes at pick 373. Uh, Austin Nola does, and among catchers, I gotta say he's outside of like the top 25. Probably I'm mm-hmm. looking right now, 372. That's 26. So quite literally just outside the top 25. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think he can out uh, outperform that ranking for sure. I mean, I think he can too. I just don't know that he's as interesting as we want to hope that he could be. Uh, at catcher. Yeah, even at catcher. I mean, we're we're talking about a guy who, uh, even in his you know like quote unquote breakout in 2019, he only hit 10 home runs. I know it wasn't in a ton of plate appearances, right? But um, it was also during the rabbit ball time. Okay, so sure. like I like how much you know you kind of look at what he's done over you know, just combine the last two seasons. I know he was hurt last year, uh, you know, but combine. 2020 uh, 20 and 2021 you get nine home runs in a just under 400 plate appearances like i just don't know that maybe he's as special as we want him to be 
Like yeah. I think maybe maybe the and thought not, of not all, special. Maybe, it's not about being special. But it's 10, about home, just, 10 home runs from my catcher what, what, three. That's in half a season. Where where do you think he ranked that year among catchers? But maybe he's just not good enough to get all those plate appearances that we want him to get. Nah, I think it's been health. I think it's been clearly health. Even last year in a crap year, he was a league average bat. I think it's health. I think it really comes down to health for Austin Nola, which we don't know. And I mean, we have to lean bad because we've seen mostly mm-hmm. bad, but it's quality plate skills from catcher, which means batting average, which is always going to play. And so I think even with, you know, like, w- like where do you think these projections put him? Right, let me close the loop on what I said. Where do, you th- where do you think he finished in 2019 with those 10 homers in 79 games among catchers? Uh, in 2019? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he was a top 15 catcher. No, he was only 22nd because oh, okay. of, of the volume, I imagine. But also I had to lower the threshold down to seven catchers or seven games at catcher because he didn't play a lot of catcher in 2019. <laughs> so that might be – yeah, that, there might be a few guys, some tiny sample studs in there that might be messing it up. But that's not really uh, – I'm, I'm saying, though, in a half season he was he was already better than what his current price is. And I, Yeah, I think he's fine where he's going. I just – um, he's not necessarily a guy I'm, I'm targeting. Sure. Like, I'm fine. I'm fine. If he's my catcher three, um, or a really low end catcher two, I'm fine mm-hmm. with him. Uh, yeah. you know, like guys going behind him that are more interesting to me, you know, former, former teammate, Luis Torrens, we talked about recently. Yes. Non-catching catcher to the hilt, by the way, he just crushes yeah. the ball. MJ Melendez. Where's he think. playing? Why are people liking him? I don't get this. Because they have the biggest stalwart the, catcher in the universe in front the of The Royals said that they expect him to be up on the roster uh, to, to start. To do what? Be the bullpen catcher? To be a super utility guy. Uh, they're going to end up playing they're, they're gonna end up playing him over Edward time. Olivares. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're the gonna, frick they are. They're going to send Edward Olivares down so they can play him. Edward Olivares should buy five houses in Omaha. He should be he just getting freaking flyer miles. He'd be where rent. the hell else? Do- yeah, exactly. No, no, but like bus miles. You know they're not paying for him to fly. Yeah, I know that's they're, all they're for the Royals. Um, he's gonna get, him- get his free smoothie with all the punch cards. He's yeah, exactly. Waiting if- for the bus. <laughs> I, I was gonna keep going, but I, yeah. I'm gonna I'm I'm peel back. Mm-hmm. In the minors, he's only played third base for nine games, and then DH and catcher. Where else does Melendez play? I, I miss apparently the outfield. Uh, Grant Dayton okay. apparently says he's gonna he's gonna play multiple oh, yeah. positions. JJ Pickle, general manager JJ Pickle, said in an interview uh, on six ten Sports Radio in Kansas City that position switch down the line is possible for catching prospect MJ Melendez. He's a good defender behind the dish, uh, but this is a way to kind of get them get him playing time because Perez is there through twenty twenty five. And obviously not slowing down in the slightest. Okay, so because Melendez was so good in the minors last year, he has kind of forced their hand, and now I'm understanding why people like him more. Okay, I was wondering where this hype was. I missed this news a bit of news, and I apologize. That's on me. But my man did hit um, 42 homers last or 41 homers last year in double and triple A. Yeah, and his triple slash was 288, 386, 625. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's he, disgusting at age 22. I'm sorry. That's filthy. Okay. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, he, he's, that, I mean, I've been taking that dart throw. I think it's something you want to do with a pretty stable 
catcher one and catcher two. Absolutely, um, absolutely. But, because, but one of but one of the stuff that, there. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of upside there from you know if if he could find uh, some playing time. Yeah, I like that uh, because yeah, he was MJ Melendez so great last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, sorry, that was a tangent that we got on from Austin Nola because you were talking about catchers <laughs> that you like after him. Talking about NLDHs. No, and, and we got it on an AL super backup, neutral catcher. Yeah, backup, yeah um, catcher in uh, Kansas City. <laughs> two more teams, two, two of the worst in the league, uh, Arizona and Colorado. Uh, let's go Arizona first and then Colorado. Arizona, I said that they would – uh, oh, Seth Beer feels yeah, like. Yeah, it's Seth Beer time. Oh, perfect. Uh, that, that, they were the first one I wrote. They were, um, or no, they were the second one I wrote behind the Orioles. And I was like, so they were the first if the DH returns to the NL. And I was like, Seth Beer, are you kidding? He, he just he just destroys baseballs. And he can't play. Uh, he's, a, he's a beer league softballer. I know uh, it sounds like I'm just saying it because his last name is Beer. It just fits too perfectly. It's too perfect. He's a 60 raw. Um, he just crushes the ball. He has to play when, next year, yeah? When I saw him at the Arizona Fall League in 2019, I can't remember who I was sitting next to in the industry. Um, and he missed a pop fly at first base that was three feet to the left of the bag. Um, and he missed it by a good four or five feet. Uh <laughs> And I turned and looked at whoever was sitting next to me. It might have been it might have been Scott Bogman and said, "This may be the worst defender I've ever seen." That's tough. Um, that is tough. And by by the way, just to kind of underscore the point, he was hitting three fifteen, three seventy five, four fifty two in that fall league, proving why he belongs there, but also mm-hmm. showing why he needed the DH so badly with that yeah. defense. Uh, there so, yeah. may be no person in Major League Baseball or Minor League Baseball that benefits from the DH more than Seth Beer. Seth yes. Beer could be an absolute monster. Because when he was included in that trade, uh, the Granky deal, it was um, it was like, oh, my God, what's going on with this guy here? Because now he's going to the National League. He's never going to find playing time. That was the big mm-hmm. concern, understandably. But – it's back now. And in 100 games last year at AAA, he hit 287, 398, 511 with 16 homers. I mean, he's just got the pop. And even if you don't fully believe that those plate skills are going to translate uh, that he's had and he has a little bit more swing and miss at the major league level, I would still take, you know, 245 and, and a 25 <laughs> homer season. He has a chance at 30 homers if he, if he is a set it and forget it DH, like a strong chance. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, you know, for for those of you who who think I'm being hyperbolic on on the defense too, I'm, I'm not. Like no, you're you go really over, not. Go go over and look at his Fangraphs grades that Eric Loggenhagen does, and like you remember, it's on a twenty to eighty scale, and he has him as a twenty fielder at and if, first base, dude. Yeah, if there was a negative value for fielding, he would get it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I I, I think that's crazy. Mm-hmm. He is to bad defense what Billy Hamilton was to speed. Correct. Yeah, that's I like that. That really crystallizes yeah. what we're dealing with here for Seth Beer. But no more. Don't have to worry about it. You're DHing. It's, it's and uh, we got him penciled in for at least the strong side platoon. He's a lefty, and Jordan Luplau crushes lefties, so he could kill kill it on the short side. I'll take a strong side platoon Seth Beer all day long. Go, and he Matt, he is only UT eligible 
in NFBC, and he Fair. may be he may be DH or UT eligible in a lot of different formats, but he's also going to get pick six oh seven. So like can't hurt you at all. Can't hurt you. Mm-hmm. Just take him. Just yeah. take him in DC and maybe thirty yes. All right, the last team obviously another offensive position for Colorado is always going to be pleasing. Um, I don't think they really have the talent to fully maximize it, um, but anybody getting extra PT in Colorado is great. CJ Crone obviously uh, could find some time there and get off his feet, but Charlie Blackman might be the obvious fit because of all the outfielders they have. I think this even more firmly solidifies Connor Joe while also being a, a boon to somebody like a Sam Hilliard, who we now have penciled in on the strong side in center field. Um, who you see in here as, as as the guy to get based on this news in Colorado? Yeah, I think you, I think you're right that Charlie Blackman probably is going to be the regular DH, and Connor Joe, uh, who had just took in in one of these DCs, um, uh, I think he's going to get full time playing time. Mm-hmm. Sam Hilliard definitely is going to get an opportunity, but Sam Hilliard kind of Sam Hilliard's himself sometimes, and he, he got some big swing and miss. Yeah, it is. So I mean, if you're looking for that like lottery ticket dart throw, Sam Hilliard has power. He's got speed, and he likes to swing and miss. If he can, if he can find a little bit more contact because he's in Colorado, and that's where the contact angels live. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I like that. Uh, <laughs> Contact angels. Uh, then, yeah, I mean, Sam Hilliard's a really interesting guy. Uh, I don't want to sleep on Ryan Velotti, who, who came mm-hmm. up late last year, um, is a is a interesting prospect in his own right, can play the infield and the outfield. I mean, he originally, I believe, came up as a shortstop, played some third base. Uh, he's been playing the outfield. I think yep. he's a guy, if Sam Hilliard falls on his face, that could be interesting. So I know with a lot of these, we've talked about like super, super deep sleepers. I think Velotti's going around pick 700. Did, uh, did you mention um, that he runs a little bit too? Yeah, he or does. At least Velotti has mm-hmm. in the minors. Um, and and we, we only gave him a 40 speed. So it's not always about the raw speed, but he has 12 uh, in 117 mm-hmm. games, 24 in 128 games, and 17 in 124 games over his last three seasons, Velotti does. So keep an eye on that. Um, that yeah, somebody could really pop here. Like a, a Hilliard or Vlade, they could they could definitely be something big. Um, they also have uh, Colton Welker still in the minor mm-hmm. leagues. So former prospect of note, um, and I'm going to butcher this name, Elahuris Montero. Yes, remember we talked about him mm-hmm. um, a while ago. Yeah. And so, in the context of – what was the context? I cannot remember. Oh, you know what I think it was? Potential gems with, sleeper, with Steamer 600. Oh, there you go. That's so, what it was. And we mentioned Vlade and Welker in that. And mm-hmm. now there's a new position, a free role. And Ellaris uh, uh, Montero could definitely be, be the guy. They got him in the Arenado deal. So now that now that we've said all this, they will sign two or three players to block off all these people. Who are 29 and older. Yes. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Ian Desmond's coming back. All right, so that's a tour around the National League. A lot of potential beneficiaries uh, running the gamut. Uh, some guys that are earlier picks that are going to benefit from it, mid-tier picks, a lot of late guys who could really pop. So there's not as much clarity, especially because the offseason is not over. Normally, if this had come out on February 11th um, of a normal offseason, teams would be pretty much set and we'd be able to really zero in. But I think we did our best shot here on figuring out who can get these these roles and now give you some extra names to to draft in your draft champions, uh, which we are both in two of right now, one together and then one uh, separate from one another. So 
quit sniping me, okay? Just mm-hmm. just stop. Just stop taking Akil Badu, you piece of garbage. Um, I I was torn between him and someone else, and I was all like, oh, I need to get Paul back here. Yeah, like, you know exactly what you're doing here, because it just so happens that most of your even rounds happen to be guys that I love when I would have two more cracks at them. Oh, gee, you took two mu- Joe Musgrove two picks before me. Weird. Uh, Blake Snell. Well, yeah, I, I never- took Joe Musgrove be- uh, only because I got sniped on Woken Web. Oh, um, yes, right before. Greg uh, yeah, Sheeran so- smoked you. Yeah, I, I, it was that was uh, like, oh damn. Bro, that, the funny that was, part is, had I been slapped on Musgrove too, I would have taken the guy you took in Trevor Rogers. So that would have been devastating because mm-hmm. then I don't even know what I like. So I had Webb Musgrove. It was it was Flaherty. Or it was Webb Flaherty Musgrove Rogers was my order, and I got my last one. Like that was a nerve wracking run there with you guys mm-hmm. just snaking each one that I liked. That was tough. But then you also got Blake Snell in the eighth when I would have yeah. had two cracks at him. You jerk. You did that with Badu. And which you did it with Verdugo. A Verlander, which is a nice little wasted pick. Um, I'm sorry. What? I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but actually, yeah, the Badu one, I was actually uh, leaning towards. I was actually leaning towards taking Schwarber, but I literally thought I was like. You know what? He's gonna want Badu, so I'm just. You were gonna, right. I mean, that's yeah. smart. Yeah, we have to yeah. do that, right? Yeah. Like, and that's why I took Suarez from you, Ranger Suarez, because yeah. I knew you were gonna have two cracks at him, and I thought for sure you would consider taking him. You hadn't taken a pitcher since the eighth round. It was the eleventh, and that's the little you know bits of info when you know people in your draft mm-hmm. that that you throw the ADP out. You you do that when you know somebody that you know uh, a person in the draft is comfortable taking that player there and they're going to get two shots before you pick again. Nah, you got to take your guy. Yeah, and absolutely. even if you had said I wasn't looking at Suarez there, I still would have been happy with the pick, but I knew that that was a definite range where you would have been comfortable taking. Mm-hmm. And you knew that about me with Badu. You're like, Oh, he would definitely take Badu here. You got him in the 10th round. That's a great, great, great scoop. I like your team. I really do. Um, I, I'm, I'm interested, mine, but I like yours. I don't love mine. I like it. But, I think you got good things going. What, what's your biggest concern? I mean, you need, you need to start getting the pitching. This is kind of the area where you can find that that breakout pitching, though, right? We're in round I'm, 13. I'm not super confident in how much power I have. Now, power is obviously something I can get late. That's true. That's fair. You, that, you, you look at my team, Real Muto, Mondesi, Jonathan India, DJ LeMayu, Akil Badu, Gliber Torres, and Alex Verdugo. But you know what you did? You laid a foundation where you can take – I've got Stone. plenty of speed, and I even with taking Mondesi and Badu, I've got plenty of average. That's what I was going to say. Uh, and so now you can take a, a bankable 30 homers with a 225 average once, maybe even twice. So Bobby Dahlbeck yeah. is, is, is landing on your team. How yeah. excited are you to get it? It, it might be Joey Gallo. I was going to say him. I thought he was already gone, but I'm mixing. The, I hate when two of my drafts are in the same spot of the mm-hmm. draft because I get really confused about who's available. I mean, obviously I'm keeping track on uh, this. Unless, I could be wrong too. That he's... No, no, you're, you're right that he's available, oh, okay. but I'm pretty sure he went uh, in the, in the other one. I mean, just recently. And that's why I, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. available in this one, yeah, but he, Gallo, he's a great so, fit for you. He's a Gallo great and Soler are both there right now. Yep. So um, both, they, both good fits. Uh, so yeah, it, it's been a fun draft. It's been a slow draft, which it is a slow draft. So it it's is okay. a slow draft. It's I'm, not been too bad. I'm not tearing my hair out mostly no, because I no. don't have much hair. <laughs> um, but you also have another one to occupy your time. You're doing everything do. with TGF. Yeah. All right, so you're not just sitting on the website, like watching the clock tick. So no, I am sitting on the 
website and watch. <laughs> You're crazy. It. I have it pulled up, but I don't sit there and watch it. I'm I'm all right to to let it breathe a little bit, but uh, it's been a fun draft for sure with the triple play folks. And then I'm doing the other one with the Arizona Fall. Can, I, I don't People. know if you saw this. David Mendelson of Triple Play got a position at uh, Fantasy Pros. Let's uh, go. Big congrats uh, there. As a, as a featured uh, analyst there. Uh, so congratulations to him. Awesome. Big congrats in order there. Yes, excellent stuff. Uh, I like that. Dave's, Dave's wonderful. Uh, mm-hmm. That's going to wrap us up. We're going to head into the weekend. Who's your Super Bowl pick? Uh, I'm taking the Rams to win. Uh, I just want to see a good game. Me too. Uh, I, I just think the Rams defense is so strong that I think they, they, they may uh, finally be able to get Burrow and, and keep him down. Um, and, but we are recording on Sunday prior to the Super Bowl. Michael Simeone of SP Streamer are going to come on and talk about his draft guide, which will be coming out on Monday. So what a group uh, there. That's if, uh... if you have starting pitching questions, you can uh, at me uh, on Twitter because uh, we will definitely be talking starting pitching with Michael Simeone. Okay, that sounds great. All right, uh, talk to you next week. Take it easy.